Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Nash. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and sadly, after I'm done saying I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, you will not hear I'm Jennifer Landa. Jennifer is taking a break. She is on a vacation with her family, and we wish her lots of exciting, fun times and can't wait to hear about it when she gets back. So uh, uh, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. 
<laughs> hey, you know what? That's that's enough. That's good enough. That's good enough. We await Jennifer's return. So happy to have her part of the news team again. But uh, you and I covering it uh, old school. Well, actually, not not old school. Jennifer's old school. We're covering it early pandemic old school. I guess. <laughs> Middle school. Middle school. <laughs> we're going to get into all the Star Wars news, breaking news from a long time ago, and uh, we will uh, dive into Andor, some award nominations, a lot of things on the way. As always, want to remind you first that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 Layer. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Uh, before we get to the news, uh, it's a chance to catch up and truly a chance to catch up. Uh, Joseph was uh, <laughs> traveling around uh, the, the lands here recently. Uh, so, uh, sir, how are you and where did Star Wars find you? Oh, wow. It, this is really fun to have our life in Star Wars Adventure Talks because sometimes it's like, oh, I've just been doing the normal stuff and hey, I saw somebody with a Star Wars t-shirt and that's always fun <laughs> and good. Uh, but this week was one of those massive uh, weeks of both uh, life adventure and Star Wars Adventure. Mm. Uh, trying to keep it short, uh, when my wife and I moved from Minneapolis to Los Angeles about eight years ago, uh, we were lucky enough to own a house which we had filled with stuff. Uh, that would not fit into a small apartment in Los Angeles. So we just got a storage space in Minneapolis and we put a lot of stuff in there and we finally decided, hey, it's time to move that stuff from Minneapolis to Los Angeles, which is just very actually difficult to do. <laughs> that's, that's daunting. Oh, It really is. We have a new storage space in Los Angeles. Uh, we flew back to Minneapolis when we were putting the things in the storage space in Minneapolis. Uh, we boxed up a lot of it, but then other stuff was just like, uh, literally when you opened the storage space, the first thing you saw was a table uh, with a typewriter on it and the Imperial shuttle, the Kenner one <laughs> from the 80s. And then uh, I think a bunch of just uh, like yarn and fabric of my wife's. Uh, sitting on and then sitting on top of that, uh, five lightsabers from the prequels, the toys. So it's just like stuff. There's a lot that was floating. So we had to go there. And we had to like uh, just pack everything up really quickly so it could be ready to be uh, moved across country. And in this adventure, uh, I discovered that there was a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of figures and toys that I forgot I owned. Uh, I didn't even open all the boxes. I just had to open a couple of the ones that were like way, way too fragile to ship. Um, and I opened this one box and staring at me was an Obi-Wan Kenobi figure that I've been looking at on eBay. And it was like, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before the vintage collection was even like officially the vintage collection when it was just like, we're doing this as a special thing. I can't remember what year. It was just like mm -hmm. a, a few of the main figures. It's a vint what is now the vintage collection you know, original card of Obi-Wan Kenobi from the first Star Wars film where he's got the yellow lightsaber. Right. Uh, and that, that was the figure I'd been looking at. And uh, I think I must have been gifted them for uh, like birthdays or whatever in, in 2002, 20 years ago, because I don't remember mm. buying them. Uh, Ken, I have a big Dooku and a big Mace Windu, uh, the 12-inch uh, <laughs> like the 12 dolls. Inch. Yeah, I have a 12-inch Dooku that I didn't know I owned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's like the force works in mysterious ways. First of all, with that Kenobi thing, you're like, oh, save me the money. But uh, <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah, and then I found, uh, I did a TikTok of it. I found another loose Dooku, uh, like the mm. main Dooku from the Attack of the Clones line, which I had just picked up in the package at Star Wars Celebration, and I didn't remember I owned him loose. <laughs> 
That's yeah. You got to keep track of your loose dookus, everybody. Yeah, big it. dookus, loose dookus. <laughs> I got them all, and they're coming with me to uh, Los Angeles here soon. So that that was really great. Um, I also had always carried my original Kenner figures uh, in the carrying cases, the Vader carrying case, in the three PO carrying case, Ooh, yeah. and they were when I moved in when I lived in Minnesota. They would just be like the first or the last thing I would move, and I would like gently carry them in my car, and I would like put a seatbelt mm-hmm. on them, like, yeah. and they're mm-hmm. like, I can't move them like this. So I finally bought those uh, little plastic uh, action figure containers that you can get for right. each individual action figure. Um, so mm-hmm. that was also a trip to go through, and I like I emotionally prepared. Like, uh, Walrus Man's head is going to fall off one of these days when I pick him up. Uh, Walrus Man, his limbs are so loose he cannot stand. He, right. oh, yeah. it's like oh, he has yeah. been drugged it just there's no way uh so the the whole process was just this like tour of my life from all these different times star wars from all these mm-hmm. different eras so it was a great time to reflect and also to just kind of celebrate uh all the different uh times and ways that star wars has been with me yeah no that's it's 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 a road map to your heart <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. And then the kind of the button to this adventure. Uh, well, a I bought some more action figures. Of course, <laughs> of course. at Target. Uh, anyway, because I had to buy a Target in Minneapolis. I have to relive my past by buying an action figure. <laughs> uh, but we had we also uh, bopped down mm-hmm. uh, to Iowa for a friend of Sarah had a uh, my wife Sarah had a uh, book reading. It was wonderful. Uh, we had a chance to meet a a ten year old child uh, who was introduced. Uh, I was introduced to the child as this guy talks about Star Wars on a podcast all the time, <laughs> and this ten uh, year old really liked Star Wars. Oh, and that's great! It was just so gratifying because it was the like, "Who's your favorite? What do you like?" kind of conversation. And this this ten year old kid is just like, "I like all the movies." <laughs> Uh, they're all good i'm on i i just watched obi-wan and i like that i'm on season four of clone wars i enjoy it (laughs) it was just that great big step back and it was so refreshing to just be like yes Uh, that's amazing they're just enjoyable you know i believe the star wars children are future (laughs) exactly exactly so that was it ended my adventure ended with hope yeah absolutely hope 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 is uh, sometimes all you need when it comes to Star Wars collecting or boxing up and moving uh, a Star Wars collection. You need a lot of yeah. hope to get through that, too. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, so that's it. I'm I'm curious uh, about your adventures. You know, uh, busy doing some some work, trying to get some stuff going, getting ready for. Uh, well, actually, I can't say I'm not I'm actually not actually going to Comic-Con. Uh, so I will I will just be in San Diego. I'm doing a comedy show at the American Comedy Company on Thursday night. Uh, and then uh, Grace and I are just going to have a little mini uh, getaway and probably drink and party in uh, San, downtown San Diego. But no, no badge, no, no panels, no nothing, um, which is kind of refreshing. Uh, so actually, I want to shout out like our, our longtime listener, Shayla uh, Durnlu, who uh, actually wrote me. He was like, hey, you guys doing a meetup at Comic-Con? I was like. Good question. We actually won't be there. <laughs> um, so looking forward to that. So it was kind of focused on that. But we did get a chance to go out to the Pantages Theater uh, in uh, Art of Hollywood there. Uh, great venue. Uh, a lot of history there. I had only been there once previous in my uh, career. Uh, my career. My career in L.A. Uh, in my life in L.A. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a lot about life in L.A. You think of career before your life. Uh, and I'd seen Steve Martin perform there once with his Bluegrass uh, band and show and everything. It's great. But so we saw Moulin Rouge. Uh, and of course, you know, online, I have to make an Obi-Wan and Satine joke. I mean, it's just a <laughs> prerequisite, but, uh, 
Uh, yeah, a lot of fun, and and uh, you know, no no direct Star Wars uh, uh, to it, but uh, I I am a fan of the movie, uh, and it is uh, it just got me thinking that yeah, that movie's over twenty years old now, and how awesome it is that we have you McGregor getting to be Obi Wan Kenobi some twenty years or so later from the last time he had uh, worn those robes, and uh, just uh, I I was sitting there enjoying the music. They've added a lot of new music because the movie again came out in two thousand one, so now we have a lot of uh, Lord. Uh, Gaga, Beyonce in the show, and it's great, and it's fun, and you're tapping your toe and singing along when you can under your breath. I wouldn't sing aloud, um, <laughs> and uh, but then I was just yeah, I was thinking of Kenobi, and and what a pleasure it was, what a joy it was to get this series all these years later, and Ian McGregor being such a wonderful performer, uh, and at the range, you know, at the time he's Kenobi, he's singing in Moulin Rouge. He's also in a great little movie I love called Little Voice. Uh, with Jim Broadbent and, and others uh, came out in 99, 2000 range. Um, so yeah, a little, so it was a little reflection on the talents of Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. Oh, that is really, really great. I remember, you know, I had friends who were so into Moulin Rouge and I really enjoyed the film, uh, but you know, some friends who are uh, really into tragic romance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tragic yes. romance is my Star Wars. Uh, and just uh, being, I, I think Ewan McGregor kind of being so, uh, curious and trying mm-hmm. different things is one of the things that has uh, always made me enjoy his performance as Obi-Wan Kenobi because mm-hmm. I think all that sort of life perspective filters into the character so I think that's great that you can go see a musical yeah. that Ewan McGregor isn't even in live <laughs> and it still makes you think of Obi-Wan Kenobi it is and yeah the final on that you said some great stuff on McGregor there because it's like and he's said it a lot in interviews lately in the promotion of Kenobi of It's kind of crazy, you know, I'm paraphrasing him, of course, but it's kind of crazy I've been Star Wars because at the time I was like an indie actor. I was, you know, going into a big franchise, doing Star Wars. I loved it, but I don't know. It was kind of a... Uh, it was a brave or weird choice for him. And, and, and so it is It is a reminder. We truly got the, this wonderful performer. But at the time, I mean, train spotting, I think he is, his name was so in our minds, but it is still kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a little bit of a left field pick at the time and, and, and a big one. And, and all that Rick McCallum gum chewing joy overcasting, it was worth it. Uh, <laughs> It really was. And we look forward to, you know, the announcement of possibly more Kenobi or celebrating the Kenobi we've got. Yes, yes, yes. So there you have it. Star Wars in our lives, our Star Wars and life adventures. But now let's get to some news. And look, as always, there's a lot of stories out there. Some are rumors and we're just not going to always uh, play around in the in the rumor uh, muck and mire. We'll wait till it's uh, stories official. But there's some tantalizing cool stories out there. We won't acknowledge that. Uh, But uh, focus on what we're going to talk about here today. And it is a countdown to Andor, a a new interview, which was actually recorded at San Diego. Excuse me. uh, Star Wars Celebration. Mine's, uh, Mine's on the convention in front of me. A uh, new interview provides just more insight into what's coming our way. Diego Luna, Genevieve O'Reilly, and executive producer Sonny Wollenberg sat down with Entertainment Weekly at Star Wars Celebration. And uh, here are some of the highlights. And I will say there's a lot of highlights, and I'm leaving a lot on the cutting room floor. <laughs> so, Joseph, pull in uh, anything. There was a full kind of podcast, and then there was about a seven-minute video. So we're pulling from that there. Let's start here. Uh Diego Luna said a little bit uh, into the interview, but he said, uh, behind everyone that has brought change, there's a story. There's a reason. And I just love that we have 12 episodes to tell you that story. It's about learning uh, that your strength and powers is in your numbers. There's people out there that think like you 
and they worry like you do about what matters to you. Star Wars is always like that. It's always telling messages that have a lot to do with what we're living. Uh, goes on to say there is a need to get involved, be part of things, not to witness from afar, to get your hands dirty. So, Joseph, I say to you, how does that hit you as a pitch for Andor? <laughs> uh, it's so powerful because in some ways it is really um, the absolute beating heart of Star Wars, right? Like mm -hmm. everything that he's describing. But it is so focusing on this specific message and element of Star Wars that it feels fresh and new. Um, mm. In the past, you know, we've talked about the sort of DNA of A New Hope in particular, you can almost like see the, these different elements of Star Wars in the three, in the big three, right? Mm -hmm. Like Luke is uh, the, the Jedi and the Force. Han is the rogues and the bounty hunters. And Leia is the politics and the rebellion and, and the leadership, right? Yeah. And it feels like this series Andor is really following that, that Leia thread, right? The yeah. absolute heart <laughs> yeah. of the the big political story of star wars and what is the truth of individual people within these large political stories so in one way it's like totally absolute foundational star wars storytelling but by so laser focusing on it, it with it sounds like right now a lot of the other sort of great stuff about star wars kind of stripped away so that you can focus mm. on this element it makes it feel really exciting and new you know uh, yeah. So I think that's where my mind goes uh, right away at first. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I want to pause mm. there because I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> I have some other thoughts, but I, I want to yeah. hear what you have to say. No, no, I love it. And in, in a way, like none of the none of the comments and, and quotes we're pulling from this interview were like shockers to me. And what I mean by that is like I, th I think we've all kind of looked at this end or series to to hit these kind of notes uh, following. Uh, you know, with what Rogue One did, but that being the end of the journey and, and, and how we get there being so important. But uh, just to hear Andor himself, Diego Luna, kind of focus on this idea that it's it's truly the, the people behind this great change. And that's where the story is. It is a character journey. And so I think that's what's going to give it so much meat. It isn't just, oh, this is Star Wars politics. Oh, this is Star Wars rebellion. It is the people in that and the choices they they have to make the the risks the losses uh you know it, it it sounds like i'm in some vague screenwriting teachers conference you know hitting all these character beats but i think it's really for me as a star wars fan it's what i want and it can be space wizards fighting with laser swords it can be uh gr little grogu's and porgs and all these kind of wonderful <laughs> corners that we celebrate but uh at the end of the day we we always want to go back to the characters and how that applies and affects our own lives. I mean, that's what we talk a lot about here in Force Center, especially over the last two, three years. And when we really start diving into the themes, it's what's in this story and what's in the story for us. And Diego Luna is just like, it, it's like, he, you know, he's, he's a very calm, cool, collected guy, but you can just see there's this excitement that we, I, I thought it was done and I get to go back and we get to tell these individual stories inside this giant uh, space opera and this political drama, the spy throw, all those kind of things. And that just got me even more geeked up for it. Yeah, I think the the fact that there's such clarity on what the show is truly about, what is the the big picture idea of the show, and how do the individual journeys of characters tell that story, it makes me excited for the show because it just sounds like everybody is on the same page. They really know what this is about. They really know the story that mm -hmm. they're telling. I think a couple things for me that also excite me about it is, you know, Rogue One definitely has, it's still Star Wars, it's still space fantasy, but it's a little bit more gritty and grounded and, and brutal. Mm -hmm. And the Andor trailer looks that way. And a lot of times when we grew up, Ken, with gritty, mm -hmm. grounded and brutal, sometimes the actual message behind that was 
not particularly inspiring. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. great to know that this show is probably going to be gritty, grounded, brutal, but all in the service of moving the characters away from cynicism or nihilism yeah. to hope, uh, to taking action. Um, and I think that's what's really inspiring about it. I, I, mm. I always loved, and I know I'm not alone, the Rogue One quote from Andor, if I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Mm. And the way he says that in Rogue One always kind of made me feel like he has he has his heart and soul has been in this fight since he was mm-hmm. six years old. But mm-hmm. knowing that this first season is the journey to him becoming willing to do something, right. that to me really speaks to this is a journey where Cassian realizes that the entire reality of his life has is being upended by political realities, by mm-hmm. violence and war and authoritarianism. And the fact that we have 12 episodes that focus on him choosing to do something about it gets to this really real world thing, right? Where, where we learn history and Mm -hmm. sometimes it it just seems like, well, yeah, of course, if I was there when this tragedy was happening, I would get up and fight. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. the reality is it's really hard to acknowledge that things are that bad. It's really hard to risk uh, your life, your soul, uh, even your time or your money doing something about it. So the fact that this is a story about, about maybe Cassian reframing his own life narrative in his head from, yep, I've, I've, I've experienced tragedy everywhere I've gone in life since I was six years old. That's just the way of things. What am I supposed mm-hmm. to do about it? Take care of myself. Yeah. To, oh, this is not just the way it is. This is something that maybe I can do something about. Uh, is That's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in a way... You know, see, see what, we're gonna see what the series delivers to us. But you, you, the stuff you said about Rogue One and, and the fight to the push away from cynicism. I mean, that is a, a darker war film, right? It, it is definitely you know the Scarif battle is pew 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 Star Wars cool, but it, it is uh, as gritty as we've gotten in Star Wars in a lot of ways. Not counting you know a, a lightsaber fight on the shores of Mustafar, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that that movie ends with tears of of joy and hope for me you know mm-hmm. like it pushes mm-hmm. towards that and this show being people deciding to fight for the idea of, of hope as silly as that may seem right as, as simple and naive as that may seem and have that kind of spill out into our lives and it always does i think no matter what era you discover star wars in this kind of storytelling is there for you to connect with that's why i think it's so powerful it's why we, we talk about going to storage sheds and pulling out figures and it's, <laughs> it's not just because we we do think mason dooku are cool but it's there's stories there that affect us daily if you're open to it and, and i think this series is going to be an important chapter in that ongoing uh, storytelling of star wars yeah no absolutely um i think one of the other direct quotes that, that i wanted to comment on is mm-hmm. is diego luna saying it's about learning that your strength and uh, power is in your numbers uh, this is such a huge Star Wars theme, right? Uh, Boss Nass and Andor and Zori Bliss are all shaking hands on this, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So many characters. It's a such a big uh, Star Wars theme of like, it, it's not just the one person alone. It's everybody acting together uh, can really make a difference. And when you just say it that way, it sounds like, oh, thanks. Yeah, that, I had that motivational uh, poster in my college dorm room. Great. <laughs> uh, it, it's easy to kind of just... Um, dismiss mm. as just a, a simple yes we all work together everything yep. will be better uh but the reality is it, it is a simple thing i think that is very very hard to do and it's hard to get people to believe in and yeah. to trust and to this idea that we're going to have a long series focusing on that um my mind really went to just kind of a, a real world political place 
we've talked about this show looks like it's going to be pretty blatantly political and it might invite a little bit more blatant political discussion from us. Um, but I was just, I, I was having a conversation with a friend this weekend uh, about uh, the history of voter turnout in America for presidential elections. Mm-hmm. And like, according to uh, uh, Wikipedia, not Wikipedia, Wikipedia, <laughs> in, in 2016, the voter turnout for the presidential election was 59.2% of eligible voters. And in 2020, which was record, well, absolutely mind-boggling, 66.9%. Now, of course, a lot of that is about access, right, or help to get the ballot or people trying to block access to the ballot. Uh, But it's also, to me, about the battle between nihilism, cynicism and hope. And for me, it's just really powerful when you look at it of like this is this is what's being talked about in this show, like Diego Luna is saying it applies to our choices now. Do, Do we fall into cynicism and say this is just the way things are and what are you going to do about it or i can't do anything or it's not my problem or do you engage and have that hope of like uh yep i'm just one person but i am one person among many willing to do something and and connecting with the larger the larger group and and in my short uh you know summarize on all this it seems like andor is saying don't tweet it do it (laughs) (laughs) i really hope that that's a literal line (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't just put your feelings on the hollow net. Do yeah. something about it. Do it. And it's all it's all complicated. And, and, and this is gonna all be wonderfully Star Wars. This is gonna be wonderful Star Wars. I would without a doubt. And, and we're gonna talk about some of the importance of it here. But I'll just say this: like, so even just as a Star Wars fan, someone who grew up with this this rebellion, to really build back to it is still some of the more fascinating uh, parts of this galaxy for me. And and I know a couple of people out there I've talked to recently. Uh, love love this era. Actually, was at my uh, uh, comic shop uh, picking up a large stack of Star Wars comics. I have to read it. <laughs> and uh, Chris, the manager at uh, Earth Two Sherman Oaks, was like, "Man, I, I look. I, I, uh, that Andor trailer was my favorite thing uh, because I like. I just love the story of the rebellion. I love the story of the rebellion. And so to actually dig in on that even more, I, I, obviously, I almost feel like I'm repeating myself. But this is why I'm excited and why these these comments to kind of got me jazzed up again. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because the original trilogy, it is easy to just watch like, oh, wow, well, the Empire is really bad. And look at all these mm-hmm. cool, brave people doing it. Um, but to see them have to make these choices and, you know, yeah, yeah, great stuff. And let's talk about the importance of getting this story as Star Wars fans and as humans. All right, whatever, <laughs> however you want to look at it. Genevieve O'Reilly talked about Mon Mothma. Great stuff about Mothma and her coming back to the role, or continuing the role, I should say. And she says, you know, Mothma, over the, the previous appearances, uh, you know, kind of being, Mothma is more of a pillar in previous storytelling, a, a statue even. She uses the phrase statue. Uh, and now we'll get to learn more about, as she says, the woman behind the gown. <laughs> um, so what does that mean to the Star Wars story that we finally get to spend some quality time with someone so key to the rebellion. And I will say this, we acknowledge that there's some great stuff with her in rebels, including her wonderful speech, but I actually agree with Genevieve O'Reilly. You, you, you don't, you're not in her journals. Um, and you're not really, uh, hearing the exact, uh, you know, uh, choice that she had to make about, well, you know, I probably have a pension, I have a nice office. <laughs> I could just be quiet and, and no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And this is that story. So Joseph, I kick it to you. What, what does that mean to you as a Star Wars fan and into the Star Wars story? Yeah. I, I feel like we, the audience have always seen her public, uh, uh, facing leader 
role, leader identity, right? Of, of doing mm-hmm. and saying what she needs to, to inspire the rebellion, to keep people fighting, all those things. Her great speech in Rebels is, you know, maybe the most personal thing because it's her, her escape and all that, but it's still her saying what she needs to from a leadership perspective, which I'm sure we'll get in this. But I'm really curious to see how much of her human story we're going to get of, mm-hmm. you know, what motivates her as a person. Is it truly just an unflinching belief in democracy and just true, true shock of how much, how mm. bad things have gotten. Um, is there something in her own childhood or family that has inspired her? You know, what made her join the Senate in the first place? All these kind of ideas of like, I don't expect necessarily flashbacks to mm-hmm. this was the one moment in her childhood, but uh, yeah. just building up the character a little bit more of what is her perspective. Was there a time where she was tempted to say, uh, look, if I just go along with this, I'll be fine. And, yeah. You know, obviously she's presented throughout the Clone Wars as somebody who is, you know, along with Padme and Bale trying to make a difference. Um, so what is she going through on a personal level and a human level? That's really I- exciting and interesting. Yeah. And for some reason, I don't know. I, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, this is a weird go with me on this side, but I know you like these movies too. And they're in the Daniel Craig Bond films. You, you got, uh, you know, Dame Judy, Dame, Dame uh, Judy Dench as, as M. And uh, there's that one uh, in, in Casino Royale, I think, where like they wake her up at home and her husband's sleeping and she's got to get yeah. on the secure line. I'm always like, what's her life? Like, what does she have to sacrifice? What what part of her normal life does she to do this job and to be so involved with this and be involved with a, a bigger fight? And that's a totally different story. Uh, but I just made yeah. me think of, of, of Mothma. Like, what really are we going to get? Uh, you know, this young up and coming senator gets in, involved in politics, hangs around with, this, you know, Bail Organa and Padme and, and things start to change around her. And, and I like what Genevieve Riley was saying. It just like, you know, at some point she says later on in, in the interview, like, at some point what you're trying to do, even if it's good, it's not working. It hits a dead end and, and, and you got to, you know, now I'm paraphrasing, but just you break it all down and, and try another way and, and, and spend time with Mothma and have, and have that also be a thriller. <laughs> it's with that mm-hmm. line from the trailer. They're watching me. Like, uh, I'm just, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, that's a great comparison to M because I think things like that, yeah, there's a scene in quantum uh, of solace, uh, you know, as well, where she's had been betrayed by uh, a mm-hmm. bodyguard in there at his apartment. And she's like, I gave these things to him for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Those little peeks into, yeah, the strong stoic leader and what is her life really like? Um, but I think I'm also, I want to get to know her a little bit as a person, but mm-hmm. the era that this is set in, uh, is in theory, right? She is in the Senate trying to uh, still do good and help people yeah. uh, within a broken system, right? So right. is she doing little things, right? Is there like, is is there going to be the kind of story where there's a planet that clearly needs help? Like there's mm-hmm. money needs to go to refugees or whatever. Um, and, you know, there's no way Palpatine's letting that through the broken Senate. So she decides to do something on her own, divert some funds, you know, and it's yes. that, like a little thing, but it's the little thing that builds the the big picture. And it's her taking these these risks and her, I think, having to accept. Well, for a long time, we've kind of been able to maybe try to keep Palpatine a little bit in check with the machinery of the Senate, but yeah. it is really not working at all anymore. And what point does she get the strength to say uh, the emperor has no clothes or in this case, mm-hmm. the emperor is an evil wizard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And you're making me think of just like, <clears throat> wonder what the specific plot points are, how it all ties up. And I think we got 
especially season one, perhaps two kind of stories run alongside each other before, you know, Andor and Mothma are, are having coffee to discuss rebellions here. Um, but what makes her think, all right, this is getting worse. I, I think of Bale at the end of Kenobi, the, the Empire, you know, it's getting more bolder. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just, you can't ignore it anymore and we can't fight it. So, uh, and yet, and how that might tie to maybe a, tr- a tragedy or a massacre or something going on where, where Andor is and, uh, the people of his of his town of his village uh, and all the stuff we've seen so far, like yeah, I, I'm I'm really intrigued by what ties them all together and what finally uh, pushes her to a uh, not maybe not the breaking point. The breaking point might be Rebel season three for me. The the speech mm-hmm. that changes it all, but to to really push towards that exciting stuff. Yeah, but I think like in, internally in this two season show, I I wouldn't be surprised to see her realize and accept at some point I have to run. You know, at some point, mm-hmm. it won't be safe for me to be a part of this anymore. And getting getting her to that rebels moment, yeah, building towards it, indeed. Diego Luna said in response to O'Reilly talking about Mothma's journey, "If you hear that, and by the way, this interview is great because he—they both are just building off each other. And he got the mm-hmm. executive producer there as well, but he just says, if you hear that, it's not about what happened; it's about how it happens, and that's an amazing approach." Uh, to storytelling. And then uh, if, if you're okay, Joseph, I'm going to read yeah, a couple of these please. quotes here. I try to do my best uh, transcribing an actual, just moving, flowing interview and <laughs> not press statements. <laughs> but the executive producer, Sonny Wollenberg said, uh, taking people on a journey starting five years before to really in the formative years of the rebellion to find many characters caught up in the events of the time in this moment of Star Wars history. Oh, that gave me nerd chills. And having the chance to really go on the complex and complicated journeys with them, just a really opportunity a uh, real opportunity to be daring and brave. So those two quotes right there, Joseph, uh, it, it goes to something we've talked about, the why, uh, Luna says how, but I think that's kind of, you know, the same kind of approach. Um, that's, that's we, we kind of love that stuff and there's great value. And I don't say this to like poke or uh, poke at the bear, the folks who what might write off this series of, well, we already know what happens to him. We didn't ask for this. And, and you get that stuff all the time. It's almost a lather, rinse, repeat kind of um, commentary on some of these stories. Kenobi faced that too. But th- this is why, right? The, the how, the why, and, and focusing down on the characters. And and I love what this uh, Yasane Wollenberg said. It's a big moment in Star Wars history. And that's why I think this show has uh, a potential uh, great value. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do get the, um, the, the weariness with feeling like um, – yeah, we can engage in, we know what happens, but we're excited to see the how and the why. But, you know, a, yeah. a lot of Star Wars storytelling by its nature, you know that certain things can't happen to certain characters or they can't meet certain characters or be on a certain planet at a certain time. Uh, and I think what's exciting to me about this story is because they're introducing lots and lots of characters. I mean, what do we truly know about characters? We know that Cassian and Mon Mothma can't die. <laughs> yeah, You know, we know that the rebellion... Uh, can grow but with all these new characters that we're meeting in in Cassian's life does Mothma have uh, you know a partner of any kind yeah. we we don't know what happens to those people so there's, there's that literal visceral we're going to meet people that mm-hmm. I think we will learn to get attached to they will be intense <laughs> yeah. political spy thrill situations and I, I can imagine some like great moments of like we met this new character and we truly don't know if they're going to be the kind of character that ends up Yo, hey, they were at Endor too. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. if they're going to die five years before Rogue One. We really don't know the journeys of a lot of the, the characters. And I mm-hmm. think that's going to make it even more compelling as a, a spy thriller. 
Yeah, no, and, and, and you know, there's going to be dots to connect and, you know, the the big, uh, are they going to retell the Cassian uh, meeting K2 scene from the comic, the one-shot comic years ago, or re, redo it, and dare I say? Uh, there's all that kind of stuff, but yeah, I, I think you're right, just uh, spending time with these characters and, and adding. I just love, yeah, as much as we love studying themes and all the stuff around here, I've always been a fan of just the history. Is It's a it's a living document, and I get to fill in blanks on, part of, uh, on the parts of the story I, I don't know. and that's where my excitement really goes with uh, stuff like this there. And I also loved, um, cause she was, uh, the EP was pulling in, you know, uh, parts of, you know, Tony Gilroy and his approach and everything. And I love that she used, uh, that, that, um, the words complex and complicated. Mm-hmm. And that really just makes a lot of sense for this time where we've already seen a little bit of characters along the way of, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the empire, you know, the, the trains are running on time, you know, that kind of approach. <laughs> there's that. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's little Leia alert. Like I thought the empire was supposed to help us. And that was a valuable part of her journey and, uh, her seeing the, the galaxy and the truth of it. I think we're going to see a lot of that. And, and, and who along the way talking about, you know, how and why maybe Mothma is alone on this Island, uh, other than Organa, uh, or maybe there's a new center that emerged. Maybe we get a younger Noah Jabel who's like, nah, <laughs> things are great. Um, Senator Pamela, like all those kind of characters are just like, you know, and, and, not, and not just, and it, and it is to me, I'll say this, it is simply good and bad empire and, and fighting the empire. But along the way, those who are fighting the empire, how they're dealing with that and how they're justifying what they're doing or what they're not doing, I think is part of the the complicated journey we're about to get here. Right. I mean, I think it's just so exciting to to think like, yeah, does she have a spouse? Does she have family on mm-hmm. Chandrilla who are like, we're in a position to believe the Imperial propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Clone Wars were awful. Uh, they're presenting a strong, uh, you know, fist to the galaxy. It's defense and it's keeping everything fine <laughs> mm-hmm. versus seeing the people in Andor's life who are directly suffering from the truth of the Empire. That just makes it fascinating to have like really, really difficult uh, decisions for all these characters, yeah. complex and complicated. Complex and complicated. Diego Luna added, even though it's called Andor, it's about a revolution. It's an ensemble. It's about a group of people. It's about community. You'll have the chance to meet many characters you do not know and visit places you do not know existed in this galaxy. So, Joseph, often we hear some pushback. Again, here I am, slightly poking bears. I get it. (laughs) But we hear some pushback on the titles of Star Wars shows. And when other characters show up up in those stories and uh, serve the story of the main character, uh, the cameo versus... uh, just a character in an episode, all those kind of debates, which we get. We understand a lot of the conversations around them. And I'm like you too. I'm excited for some brand new stuff like Acolyte and and, and the Love the High Republic stuff where it's an era I'm not familiar with. But going back to this stuff, how do we like going in knowing that this is an ensemble with one name on the title card? Does it make us feel better and different, good, more excited? Where Where you go with that? I am excited to see interviews where uh, they are just saying it, where at least Diego mm-hmm. Luna is just saying it, because that is certainly the truth that I felt in the trailer, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I so loved our experience of being at Star Wars Celebration, but not being able to get in the actual panel, and then everybody in line trying to get in the panel, <laughs> yeah, listening uh, to the Android trailer, uh, just slightly syncopated from one another. So you heard the time <laughs> grapplers chime slightly, and everybody ooing and eyeing over different bits. <laughs> And I remember that was one of my first emotional reactions. Was, that is, a, this Andor trailer was amazing. Yeah, wasn't a lot of Andor in it, um, and I'm totally fine with it. I, I really don't want those kinds of um, those mindsets of how we're going into the shows to distract from what they are. 
the 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 farther we get out from Book of Boba Fett, I really feel like for myself, uh, I love the whole thing. I think the two episodes that didn't feature Boba Fett much or at all line up thematically. They're great. Uh, I can watch the show in my head and go, it's part of the Mandoverse. But with even more time and distance from it, a part of me feels like maybe it really should have been called, you know, the Mandalorian colon book of Boba Fett. And they really, Mm -hmm. and they should have been saying like, Din's going to be in there, pop, he'll pop in because I want to remove obstacles for people enjoying things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah there's a part of me that that there's a part of me that's kind of <laughs> uh deeply rigid and kind of feels like we should never know anything you should just go to <laughs> yeah watch, watch a tv show blind you, no no in a director you like made a movie and go to it and don't ever see a trailer there's a part of me that like i would love if we all received art that way but we don't um yeah, yeah. so i feel like as much as they can get ahead of why isn't andor why was andor only in this episode for five minutes as much as they can get ahead of that uh, I am happy for because I think it will help more people enjoy it. And for myself, I'm excited for an ensemble because I think that's what's going give, to give it meaning. Knowing a lot of the people in Andor's life is only going to make Andor's uh, story uh, richer and more powerful. So I'm excited for it uh, just for myself as a viewer. And then in terms of the how do we communicate to the audience what this is, I'm happy for them to use the word ensemble so people know that is what it is. Yeah, I think we just kind of reached that point, I guess. Uh, I, I would, you know, I still get in little arguments in bars <laughs> about <laughs> those two episodes of Boba Fett. Do have everything to do with Boba Fett, whether the title of the show says so or not. But I also agree with you. It is just simply me uh, realizing that just, I love that you just said, remove the obstacles to happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take the roadblocks away uh, on the path to joy. So that just isn't part of those lather, rinse, repeat conversations we deal with with all these shows where the discourse can drain all of us. It isn't so much about the debate and the big ideas because there's always going to be that and, and I'm always open to that or at least open to hearing it. Uh, but I have my thoughts and uh, pretty strong thoughts on on what the shows are about. But uh, that's a different kind of conversation versus uh, marketing posters, timing, everything. So if this is if this helps, if this uh, uh, gets us all uh, ready for what's coming down our path with uh, 70 plus speaking characters of significance. Uh, great. Uh, and, and I love that it's the star of the show that's going, yeah, the character mm-hmm. I'm playing, it, that that name's on the marquee. I'm probably going to be in a lot of the photos. It's not just about me. Um, it's maybe him leading uh, most of the story or parts of the story, but uh, very clearly, Maude Mothma's going to have a ton to do with this. There's so many characters. And I think it's very important for Diego Luna um, to, to say that not, that, not that I expect him to say that. I think it's gracious. I think it's important that he realizes, hey, um, not, not necessarily in terms of marketing, but just like, hey, I was there. I filmed all 12 episodes. I really know what the show's about. And I want you all be all to be uh, uh, all of you to be excited about the time grappler and me. It's yeah. all good. It's all there. Yeah. I mean, that's the other big thing I hear in the ensemble is just quality time with the time grappler for sure. <laughs> uh, but I, I also just like, it, you know, clearly Diego Luna has a uh, clarity and passion on what the show is about and for him to say this is about uh andor's journey to realize he is not alone he he can be part of something bigger it then also really tracks for him to go like not turn around and go but the show is called andor and it's about me (laughs) me alone right it's really uh the way he's discussing the show is reflecting the ideas of the show it seems like Absolutely. And uh, there was one little thing there. I forgot to put it in our notes, Joseph, but there was one, I think it was uh, Genevieve O'Reilly talking about uh, uh, Sonny Wolfenberg, the producer, one day having to run from two sets 
one of them being like real tense political conversation and the other being a big battle. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I was like, man, I hope every episode is like that. Uh, I'm sure it won't. There's going to be a wonderfully, uh, a wonderful pace, pacing of storytelling, but man, that just got me excited. That is truly star Wars on the playground and star Wars in the classroom, I guess you could say where, where you're studying and learning and, and, and seeing how star Wars affects uh, real, real life and can inform you. And then there's that let's all go to the playground and play star Wars. And yeah, and I think it's going to have both. Yeah, and you go to a playground and there's people having intense political discussions right on the monkey bars. I would, lo- I would love to be in second grade right now. Uh, number one, I'd be <laughs> younger. Two, I'd love. All right, uh, let's go to the Senate chamber and we're going to act out the Senate chamber debate today, kids, uh, <laughs> friends. You know. All right, come on over here to play vote of no confidence. <laughs> Oh, uh, there you go. So uh, any other big thoughts on this interview or any other quotes? There was a lot. I, I didn't uh, pull everything from the, the larger podcast episode, Joseph, but anything that uh, you want to talk about before? We yeah, no, um, uh, a couple quick things. Uh, I, I love uh, Diego Luna saying, uh, I just wanted to explore many things that I thought about while I was shooting uh, that, that being Rogue One, uh, that a film would never allow you to explore. Mm-hmm. So that was you know, that to me is getting also to the heart of the difference between uh, uh, telling a story in film uh, and telling a story in 12 episodes, 24 by the time of season two of television, that there's room to explore more nuances in details of the characters. So I'm excited uh, about that. Uh, we also talked about um, that quote, you'll have the chance to meet many characters you don't know and visit places you don't know existed in the galaxy. Uh, that's really fun for me just mm. to think about what are some going to be some of the new entries on starwars.com uh <laughs> data mm-hmm. bank mm-hmm. Uh, and final thing for me ken is um i'm very curious if between both seasons of andor the ensemble show is this going to be the first star wars show with no lightsabers like we've certainly mm-hmm. got individual episodes of television shows but you know the dark saber ends up being a big part of uh, the mandalorian uh we thought maybe Rogue One be no lightsaber. Then we got Vader. We thought maybe Solo would be no lightsaber. Then we got Maul. Um, and I, I'm fine with that. I really mm-hmm. like that reality of this light lightsabers and those who wield them uh, and those who have force powers matter. They put they can put an outsized uh, uh, impression into the galaxy. They affect and change things. So I'm not necessarily for myself hungering <laughs> mm-hmm. for a Star Wars with no lightsabers. Uh, but I'm curious to see how much, uh, if there will literally be no lightsabers throughout this, and if there's going to be any sort of awareness of the loss of the Jedi or the perception of them being discussed, that, you know, you can't discuss them in this era. Is there going to be any sort of political uh, whispering about what Palpatine truly is, if anybody mm-hmm. has, you know, suspicions or rumors? Uh, it, with uh, with some of the the characters that we're going to meet uh who are having a hard time and rebelling against the empire will the force as a religion or like a faith play a part in any of the characters lives so the the whole lightsabers force users the right. force as a as a religion i'm really curious to see how that all that's going to play into andor and, and how much yeah uh, and, and i'm fascinated with it and and um I think it's a safe bet to say no sabers, but, uh, you know, Rogue One, we, I don't know, you kind of started to hear rumors and stuff of, of Vader, yeah. but th- this this came about. But then you didn't know, you didn't know if any of the other characters would have had one in any way, shape or form. But I, yeah, I, I, I personally, I hope, I hope there's none, but I do hope there's, a, I don't know, references, something like kind of what you're saying of, of, um, Feeling uh, the loss uh, of of no force users, uh, no Jedi, no force wielders in this galaxy to help, 
uh, and how there's different views on that. Well, of course, because they screwed us. Oh, of course, this and that. Or, you know, um, we're missing that light. We're, 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 not, yeah. we're, not, we're not there. But just to actually see the oppression on the ground, uh, to see it, um, you know, really uh, what, what it is like for the, what the Imperials are doing, uh, you know, planet to planet, community to community, I think it would be effective to, to feel that loss of the light side in any way, shape, or form. But we'll see. Yeah. But that's, 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 that's a million dollar question right now. Yeah, well, I cannot wait for a million-dollar answer. I wish I could give you one. All right. Um, <laughs> there you go. Well, Andor is right around the corner. This is uh, certainly not going to be the last time we discuss it. And, you know, we're, we're right there. Season of Andor's coming. I know that I've seen some tweets about the marketing being a little less. I, I honestly think it's kind of right on schedule and time. We At the mm. time of this recording, we got San Diego Comic-Con on the way. Uh, that could, you could see a little bit of push whether that Lucasfilm or Disney is going to have a big presence there. I'm pretty sure they don't. I don't have an actual uh, scorecard in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're getting there. I think they know what they're doing. Uh, and uh, we're going to, you know, look, we're looking forward to more content. In fact, even at the time of recording today, we recorded a little bit later than we normally do. There was a TV spot dropping that had 1.5 seconds of new footage of Andor. <laughs> so we're getting there, Joseph. We're getting there. Yeah, very, very soon. Very excited. Very excited indeed. We're going to take a quick break. Before we do, we're going to do a Force Center Recommends, an audio book we think you should try out on us. Joseph, dealer's choice and what you want to recommend. <laughs> I think, you know, sometimes we uh, we recommend a book in the build-up to us doing a review, and then we just let it go for a while. And I don't want to. Uh, the book we discussed recently, uh, Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher, it is a really big Star Wars book. It's Luke and Lando. It is uh, Young Ray. There's a lot of really great, really interesting stuff going on that really ties together some of the uh, ideas across Star Wars, but in particular, uh, bridging the gaps of the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. So I want to continue recommending that one, Shadow of the Sith. Great choice indeed. Great choice indeed. We appreciate Adam Christopher listening to our review and uh, referencing our David Bowie jokes on the deep dive <laughs> there. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. After this, a quick break. We'll come back with more news here on Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Foresight of the Big Show, the Super Star Destroyer of our flag. I'm going to come up with a new catchphrase. It'll just, it'll just hit me. It's, uh, you know, it just, it, it'll, it'll get there. It'll get there. Uh, we are looking at Star Wars news, and uh, we mentioned the Book of Boba Fett earlier, uh, but we want to talk about the Book of Boba Fett and Star Wars Vision, specifically the short The Duel, both being nominated for Emmys. Yes, Star Wars will be present at the 74th annual primetime Emmys. Thanks to the nominations received by the Book of Boba Fett and Star Wars Visions. The duel, the Book of Boba Fett was nominated for outstanding special effects in a season or movie, outstanding sound editing for a comedy or drama series, and outstanding fantasy slash sci-fi costumes. Star Wars Visions short, the duel was nominated for outstanding short form animated program. Uh, you know, Star Wars and awards have you know, an interesting relationship. They've always been present. Uh, sometimes the, they don't get acknowledged, especially the movies, as much as maybe we'd like. A lot of the special effects stuff and the post-production teams, they get nominated or recognized. Uh, but it's always nice that Star Wars gets some kind of recognition, Joseph. So thoughts on these award nominations? Yeah, no, I'm always happy for them. And it is always a, a back and forth battle. You know, in some ways it is Star Wars was this uh, great uh, tapping into big myths and all that. But it was also George Lucas updating B-movie serials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some of that uh, just cultural uh, battle with uh, is it is it to be awarded? Uh, that stuff is always going to go on. So it's always great to see. Uh, any uh, of uh, the great talent going into Star Wars be, being rewarded. Um, 
the these particular nominations, particularly the episodes, were really interesting to me. I was really uh, excited about the uh, sound editing award, mm-hmm. specifically from Chapter 6 of Book of Boba Fett, one of my very favorites, uh, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. Mm-hmm. And that just made me think, like, oh, Cad Bane's blaster sound, finally getting <laughs> some yeah. nods. Yeah. Uh, the all the sound, you know, editing design of all of those great meditation and training scenes with uh, Luke and Grogu on the planet we now know as Ossus. Uh, I just really thought about uh, about those uh, from that specific episode uh, that's being nominated, and it made me excited that that would be rewarded. Um, and also the visual effects, right? We've been talking a lot about that with um, some people being concerned about the Obi Wan Kenobi effects not being, you know, necessarily mm-hmm. up to par. Uh, I thought the effects in in Book of Boba Fett, uh, you know, as soon as I saw a visual effects award, I was like, yeah, he wrote a rancor and it was great (laughs) and it worked for me. And I believed Boba Fett was writing a rancor. So I'm glad that that is being nominated. I'm with you on that. No, I think Book of Boba Fett had some uh, real wonderful stuff in it, uh, the way it looked and everything. And uh, yeah, as as, as someone who often brings up the volume and thoughts on it, I I, I will have to uh, cop to uh, really enjoying a lot of the big big ideas that uh, were had and how they were executed in in the Book of Boba Fett. So it's exciting to see Star Wars nominated on any level. I love the uh, nomination of the duel only because it just, uh, you know, continues to shine a light on an interesting, and I think at times uh, I, I would describe it as an important project, uh, Star Wars Visions, and looking forward to more of that. And uh, that was the duel specifically. It was a beautiful piece of storytelling. So uh, I love seeing it uh, get that nomination as well. Yeah, absolutely. It is a, just a beautiful short um, all by itself, which I think is the great design of that, and the color scheme and everything uh, is yeah. great in the duel. So very excited for that. But let's focus on costumes, you know, with all this talk about effects and the volume of which, again, again I admit to being a large part of that conversation, uh, good or bad. Um, I think we can overlook the glory of Star Wars costumes sometimes. And so let's see that it got nominated for Outstanding Fantasy Sci-Fi Costumes. Uh, I love that. I love that. Uh, so uh, did you have any uh, favorite Boba, Book of Boba Fett costumes? Uh, and I'm trying to think, you and I got to go watch that, uh, walk through that Mandalorian experience, which included <laughs> Book of Boba Fett at, at the Celebration, and all the pictures we took there. But yeah, uh, anything stand out to you? Yeah, I think the nomination was specifically for the first episode of Book of Boba Fett. Yes. So when I saw the nomination, I was like, which episode? Because I feel the costume designer uh, should get uh, 18,000 awards for the Tuscans in particular. Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I think the warrior in particular is just an amazing, great costume. But to take uh, the the visual of the costumes of the Tuscan Raiders and to give them different varieties, stay in the tradition, uh, but give this entire group of the Tuscans their own identity. And then mm-hmm. within the tribe, give the individuals identity that befit their station and uh, one of the things that uh, I went on and on about with Book of Boba Fett of, of really enjoying how, especially in those early episodes, of Boba Fett could see the different uh, times of his life and possibilities of ide- his identity reflected in the Tuscans. So to see the way the, the, the leader, the warrior, the child were garbed and have that give so much meaning and identity for those individual characters, but then also how Boba Fett saw him. I just kind of can't say enough about how much I love the, the Tuscans costumes. Uh, yeah. And so that's that, you know, that's a part of what the nomination is for since it's for that first episode. Uh, but also to answer your question in general across the whole series, Cobb Vance, talk about just <laughs> yeah. Star Wars 
simplicity, right? Yeah, this is back yeah. to, do you know who Han Solo is? Yes, he wears a white shirt and a black vest. That is Han Solo. And it is cool, you know? And he has stripes on his black pants. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's so simple that a child could describe it uh, to an adult who doesn't want to hear any more about Star Wars. Uh, and Cobb Vant has that, like, classic, like, he has a red shirt. <laughs> yeah. A scarf, and a it, scarf. He has a handkerchief, and it <laughs> is at this angle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, the armor, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the flare of orange on Fennec Shan's armor, just kind of endless cool looks Yeah, that have that are of the Star Wars tradition, but particularly in this Mandoverse really fit into the Mandoverse, too. So I just think it's it's awesome that this costume designer is being celebrated. Yeah, and... and, and, and uh, let me uh, insert controversial reference to the mods right here. Uh, they, oh, yeah. Uh, were there. They were totally different and totally uh, – yeah, not, I'm not talking to you about the speeders. Talk about the, them themselves. I, I like the look, and it was a different generation and um, all that. And you're right to point out, yeah, this was specifically for episode one, uh, even though this will you know, get celebrated as the entire show. Um, I, I, I thought it was about episode one and, and Boba Fett's jumpsuit, that it was just like, look at that. <laughs> it was just a jumpsuit. But no um, – you're so right. I mean, uh, the choices behind the Tuscans were just um, just uh, home runs every time out and what they were trying to do and what they wanted to do and taking a, a piece of Star Wars lore that's been around since 1977 and really just not just expanding in terms of story, but in terms of look and building upon it and giving them their own identity. It was without a doubt valuable to what they were doing with that stuff. And so it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as uh, overall stuff, I mean, I, you know, this is a, uh, you know, you got a lot of armor, you're out in the desert, you're, out there, you're fighting uh, Tatooine sand monsters and all these kind of wonderful things. I I, I want to continue to shout out one of my favorite characters, Garsif Whip, who just mm. absolutely mm. brought elegance to the desert, you know, and uh, just uh, the gowns and seeing those gowns in person at the mm. Mandalorian display. And you and I were talking about all the outfits, all the costumes, but especially around those gowns of people taking real close up pictures of the fabrics and the designs <laughs> and everything. So they could uh, help uh, in their, in their amazing cosplay, ex- uh, uh, you know, uh, cosplay efforts. Uh, yeah. Garza Whip just uh, continues to stand out for a lot of reasons. And I think one of them, one of the reasons is, is her elegance uh, in this brutal world and what she represents and, and what she, uh, the potential of the character. Um, yeah. Uh, that that might've been lost a little with, with her death that I get, but uh, she is there and there to be celebrated. So that's part of my favorite uh, costumes in star Wars. Absolutely. And, and I think it's great to point out Garza Whip because there is this thing in star Wars where sometimes the characters uh, are like cartoon characters and like yeah. you, you you don't own anything that isn't <laughs> yeah. that jacket in those pants and I assume you change the shirt sometimes Han Solo but that's what you wear <laughs> period <laughs> uh, and and you know and then you have characters like Garza Fipp who's like I have a different dress every time I appear which I think I, I registered but yeah. it really hit me hard when we saw all of her gowns at that great uh, exhibit mm-hmm. yeah Good stuff, and uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of great designs. Even some comical ones with the the major domo to the mayor, all that kind of stuff. Just uh, mm-hmm. really good Star Wars stuff. So we wanted to take a moment to congratulate everyone uh, involved on these teams who got nominated for both the Book of Boba Fett and the Duel from Star Wars Visions. Uh, there you go. Any final thoughts on that, Joseph? No, I just hope that we get to have a news section where we're talking about uh, the nominations that were won uh, by yes. Book of Boba Fett and the Duel. Yes, and we'll keep you updated, of course, if that happens. I don't know if anyone watches the annual Primetime Emmy Awards anymore, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, there was uh, appointment television for a young uh, uh, 
film student like myself, a film uh, for Emmys and, and Oscars, studying it all. Uh, that is our look at Star Wars news this week. As I said up top, as always, there's a lot of fun stories out there, things that we'll talk about when they become more official. So stay tuned here. Before we leave, we want to talk about this week in Star Wars history, looking ahead to Star Wars past. And on July 21st, 1978, Star Wars was re-released for the first time and a line of dialogue was added, uh, making this one of the first Special editions. I am poking <laughs> bears today. C-3PO's line, the tractor beam is coupled to the main reactor in seven locations. A power loss at one of the terminals will allow the ship to leave. Uh, the line was in the original script that had been omitted from the original film. So Joseph, Star Wars and Star Wars fans' relationship <laughs> to film changes is uh, well documented. So we're certainly uh, not here to spark that debate. Maybe just poke that bear a little bit like I'm doing all day. But do you remember the first time you realized George had been changing these things for a long time? And did that affect your relationship with the special editions? Or maybe yeah. it did at all. I, I don't remember like the specific moment of the dime dropping. But I think the first thing I was aware of is learning that uh, the film had hadn't always been called a new hope um right. you know that knowing star wars uh, you know came out as star wars and then in i believe the 1981 re-release uh after empire strikes back had, had come out that the chapter for a new hope was added um i think that i i remember I, I can't remember like where i first heard that but i had the vhs tapes um and then later i got the uh that dvd set that had both these special editions, uh, this is around 2006, and then also had a bonus disc that was the original releases. And that mm. bonus disc of Star Wars is just Star Wars with a, with no uh, A New Hope. Um, and I, whenever I first learned that, hey, it wasn't always A New Hope, uh, it was in the, a time before the internet mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. where it was just uh, somebody's older cousin claims. And you're like, wow. <laughs> Is that true? Cool. So it's more in the time of, of myth uh, that uh, I learned that. Um, and I think, yeah, for how it, how it impacted the special editions, I think, I think for me going into the special editions, uh, nobody was pre angry in my social group that I remembered. Mm -hmm. I think, in fact, I remember people talking about like, yeah, the Star Wars movies are so awesome, but the effects are a little dated. You can kind of see the the box around the TIE fighters, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, talking about shots. that eh, Maybe that shot could look better. And wow, there's going to be new footage. Or have you heard they're adding back stuff with bigs like from the book? And like, there was nothing but excitement about the changes to the special edition beforehand. And so I wonder if, if the controversy is the idea of you shouldn't change anything at all versus I don't like the change that you made. <laughs> That's an amazing point. I, I same for my social circles. And I don't know if anyone out there experienced something differently. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm sure there probably are some people going, ah, they're making changes, but yeah, no, the, the anticipation for the special editions and all new footage and see it again for the first time. I mean, gosh, it was through the roof and yes, it was after when I think we were challenged. And yes, there's some changes I, yeah, I still don't like and some I love and accept uh, more than the originals. All those kind of discussions can always be had. Uh, it is the Han shot first of it all. But there was, because of the fallout of Han shot first and other things and, and still running into people now who just don't want to acknowledge the special editions at all, in, uh, you know, which is their right, 
And you'll have that option if you have like me staring at both VHS versions right now on my shelf. I can I can choose. Uh, it's okay, but yeah, the New Hope. I'm glad you brought up the New Hope thing. It's a weird, I don't know, almost demarcation in the in the sand there, line in the sand of those who are like, it's still Star Wars to me. I don't acknowledge New Hope. Like, well, why? Why? <laughs> why not? Lucas and others felt it was appropriate to to change that and add that. Because uh, the story was continuing and it, and it makes a lot of sense. So um, I understand just out of habit's sake. That's why I still say at at, and you can't take that away from me. But I also acknowledge <laughs> ATAT is just fine. Uh, that's a fun debate. You know, but you know what I mean? Where it's like it is part of that relationship, that weird, like not my Star Wars vibe that can sometimes happen. Again, not all the changes are great, but then I hear a story like this going back to the original day in history, and it's like, yeah, you know, is there out someone going, nope, I only watch the uh, May 77 to July 78 Star Wars. <laughs> That's all, the only Star Wars I watch. I don't need to be talked down to by C-3PO about <laughs> how many different locations is this coupled to the main reactor. I can count. I can look at the screen. I can yeah. figure it out. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think the, the A New Hope thing is just so fascinating to me because it, I just grew up in it, the movies were Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return yeah, of the Jedi. Same. But then probably VHS is like A New Hope, and then things started be calling it A New Hope, and it's like, oh, I I assumed it was always there, and I missed it as a you know yeah tiny yeah. child, you know, and and all those different kind of memory hole things that that can happen. I think for for me, th- just this great history <laughs> bit that you pulled up of the very first special edition on July 21st, mm-hmm. 1978. I think my main reaction is just there are different filmmakers. There are filmmakers who lock things and there are filmmakers who want to tinker and tinker and tinker. And, and Lucas, uh, it would probably still be tinkering if he still owned yeah. <laughs> the films. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm just kind of like, I'm, oh, I'm totally okay with that. I feel like filmmakers, it, it is yours, change it all you want. But I would also like access to the historical document. You know, I, I, I to me, it, it is a best of, it, 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 it would be best to have both, right? To say, this is my version. This is the version. But also, you know, if you want to see for history's sake, the thing that was made in this moment and is frozen in time, you can have access to that too. I think that's where I ultimately come down on it. Yeah. Uh, And I'm with you on that too. Uh, I, I, I like kind of seeing it It, to me. It's sometimes amusing. And I think, um, you know, this, this, this is an official this day in history from starwars.com that I pulled this from, but uh, we can't even forget. uh, We can't forget. We shouldn't forget that Chris Taylor and his, his book, how Star Wars conquered the, the galaxy talks about how opening weekend, George changed some audio because he didn't like the sound in the theater or something, something sparked like the details now escape me because it's been a few years since I read the book. Yeah. And that, and that even then kind of made me think of like, well, so it wasn't 1997 that he just decided to make changes. So no. Just, and there's a whole thing about, about adding uh, more clarifying shots to the end of empire strikes back because there was right. confusion about which ship uh, Luke and Leia were on uh, right. that they shipping out new things. I remember in 2002, uh, I tried to Google this to make sure I had it right, uh, but uh, I, some of it, this is from my memory, that like if you were seeing a digital project, projection of uh, Attack of the Clones, there were some last-minute changes of like seeing Anakin's uh, mechno-arm hand mm-hmm. uh, that weren't mm-hmm. in the printed film versions of Attack of the Clones because Lucas couldn't get in change fast enough. Like, so obviously that's after special edition, but just like this has always been a thing, right? Yeah. Better or worse, it's always the thing. But fascinating stuff. Looking back, July 21st, 
1978, where were you? I was eh, one and a half goo-goo and gogging my way through the world. <laughs> uh, there you go, my friends. That is our look at news and Star Wars history this week. We are the Force Center Pod. Uh, we can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. We will have a live Q&A show. Uh, we are looking at Friday, July 29th, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll update you that on that if that changes. But we're, uh, we're going to get through this com- Comic-Con travel, come back and talk some Star Wars with all of you here. Uh, so subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, we can be found on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hey, give us a rating and give us a review if you want. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash center, patreon.com slash center so you can support us. And from there, you can get into our Discord server. We're going to have a conversation with Force Center friends every day. As for me, you can follow me at Cadnapsock. Go to my website, cadnapsock.com. The off chance you're listening to this before July 21st, just a couple days away, we'll be doing the uh, Mark Ellison Friends Comedy Show at the American Comedy Company, and then a big show uh, in Burbank on July 30th at Flappers with uh, Jake Lewis and his gang of uh, comics. So I'll be there as well. Uh, for uh, charity things uh, to focus on, uh, once again, want to highlight the Trevor Project, which is an American nonprofit organization that focuses on suicide prevention efforts among lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth. They have a toll-free telephone number, operates as what they call the Trevor Lifeline, a confidential service that offers trained counselors and a lot more. You can support by going to the trevorproject.org. Joseph, what about you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sure I will continue uh, to post uh, about some of the action figures I discovered that I own and some of the new ones I'm buying. i got some exciting things uh, to share. Um, you can go to my website, josephsgrimshot.com, for links to all of my other comedy adventures, uh, past and uh, present and future. Uh, I will be at the great convention in Minneapolis, Convergence, in August. I'm doing a brand-new stand-up show called Joseph Scrimshaw versus Emotion. So if you're going to be at Convergence, uh, come see the show and say hello. Uh, and that is it for me, Ken. But, oh, I also do want to continue to promote uh, Vote Forward. It is an organization uh, where you can uh, write letters to other voters, uh, encouraging them to use their power. And I think it is really important that we all use the power that we have to try to make the world be the way that we would like it to be through the system that we have. So that's a votefwd.org. I think uh, Mon Mothma would agree and say <laughs> we could continue to look for ways uh, beyond that as well, but it starts there. So great stuff as always. Uh, and I'm always a big fan of your stand-up show titles. Joseph Scrimshaw versus Time was one of my favorites. <laughs> no fear, no emotions. That's great. Uh, check that all out. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, so uh, for Jennifer on vacation, having a great time. For Joseph, for me. And uh, Jake Luna uh, as uh, Cassian Andor. This one's for you as well, my friend. Uh, we'll see y'all. This was Force Center.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.